Support for Health Matters on MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center, located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. Additional information on the Northeast AHEC is available online at neahec.org. Hello and welcome to Health Matters. I am your host and radio health evangelist, Dr. Tony Weaver. This is the Bob and Doug Show. Our salute to Health Matters hotties, heroes of today's youth, Bob and Doug, the two astronauts aboard SpaceX who have rendezvoused with the International Space Station. Thanks to our listeners at True Talk Internet Radio, special radio wave to those folks at the MSU Ronald G. Eaglin Space Science Center. And let's start this show the way we start every show. We will get through health matters. We will we'll get, get through, through health matters together. together. Let's all say it. We will get through health matters. Health matters. We will get through health matters, more or less, together. together. At some point. <laughs> Maybe. Possibly. I'm sorry, Tony. I, I, I just couldn't get down with that when what was happening here in Kentucky. You know, you were just so, you cannot follow authority. And that's the thing. You know, if authority says do this, then you will do that because you are just not able to follow authority. I feel sorry for you. I do. You need counseling. But we're not going to get into that this show. I don't want to air our dirty laundry in front of God knows how It just felt many. like pandering to me. It just, it just didn't feel right. I mean, that's something I did to my three-year-old. I didn't need to have my governor doing that to me. Wow. Okay. I, I mean, for 40-something days straight. Yeah, I know. Man, we were, I tell you what, we got the dogs on the front porch, and we turned the radio on, and we listened to the governor. So, so, so just in case, just in case our esteemed, and I have the utmost respect for our governor, is, is actually listening, I want him to know that I really appreciate how he took care of Kentucky through this, because he did a great job. I just didn't like having to do the preschool, recite the, we'll get through this together thing. That was my, if that's my worst complaint, don't you think he did a pretty good job? He did. We at Health Matters have skipped, obviously, the uh, sign language lesson for the day. Thank you. (laughs) Just pointing that out. Uh, With me, my co-medical host from the University of Kentucky Physician Assistant Program, Assistant Professor Shelley Irving. Hi, Shelley. Hello. And you may have already figured out that Rick is here. Doug. UK Executive Director of Networking and Infrastructure, Rick Phillips. And now he's going to tell you how to access us on the Internet. Hey, Rick. Coming to you live from the ISS, this is Doug. We're going to tell you how to get to WMKY.org. That's right. That's Morehead State Public Radio's website. Go there, find Health Matters, find the list of shows, grab the link that's in there, and listen to the show. So maybe you missed a part. Maybe you heard a part that you loved and you want to play again for somebody. That's where you find it at WMKY.org. After that, it's time to get involved, get your feet wet, get, get, just become interactive and immersed in the show. Go to Facebook.com slash HM Radio Show, and there you will find a fan page, and you have the ability to like us. You can send feedback. You can send comments. You can post things. You can ask questions. You can ask for show topics. It's the way to get your message heard on uh, health matter. So again, if you want to be uh, interactive with us, jump on Facebook, do a search for HM Radio Show. Our sponsor for the day, Tick Fixers and their top six quick tick fixing tricks. That's right. We are talking about summertime and we are talking about ticks. Now, the first thing you got to realize is the best way to avoid tick related illness and tick borne illness is to avoid Stay ticks. inside. Yeah. <laughs> You can do that. The problem is we are trying to get you outside because that's the best way to avoid COVID-19. 
So my choice is COVID or ticks, right? Is that what you're telling me? I think so. And I'm going to teach you how to handle the ticks so you don't have to handle the COVID. That's perfect. All right. Can't so, you go outside, wear good clothing, and don't have to worry about the ticks or COVID? Well, all right. Here's the thing. Wearing good clothing. Now, calm down, you know, Bob. I know. I know. But calm you, down, Bob. But you know, but you know where they, they always tell you to tuck your pants in your socks. Mm-hmm. Now, if, that, that helps. Yeah, I don't wear socks. I, well, there's one problem right there. And then the other problem is if you're doing anything at all, it's hard to keep your pants tucked inside your socks. And uh, and for, I have never been the pants in the socks guy. Tony, I'm I, telling you, I may be the first farmer in the world that farms with Crocs. <laughs> no, he did farmer. not say he did not say crop <laughs> rotation. He said crop Croc rotation. rotation. Yeah. I have about three different pairs, and I just I, I rotate between them. <laughs> this is from uh, Alyssa Heuristic, uh, and it was in the uh, uh, website Prevention, and it was talking about the best tick repellents. And I like this. First of all, uh, she says you may have heard natural solutions like essential oils are effective, but that simply won't cut it. Let's say again, the natural product, we love to be natural. Uh, that just doesn't work. Ticks are unimpressed by that. According to the CDC, DEET, IR3535, picaridin, and oil of lemon eucalyptus, those are the things that ticks respect. They are no respecters of organic herbal products. Tick repellent chemicals not well understood. Uh, they disrupt the host-seeking behavior. Uh, perhaps uh, it interferes with an organ on their forelegs that detects odors, CO2, and heat. Uh, whatever it does, they do not like to bite in when you are wearing one of those things. Uh, and I will tell you, uh, off deep woods, uh, DEET, it's 25% DEET. You want less than 30% for your kids. Uh, you want more than 10%. Uh, that's uh, according to this. And I'm not, uh, I'm not, not, I'm not shilling or plugging anything, but uh, they said it's uh, $5 and a half at Walmart. There's a Repel Insect Repellent Wipes. It has DEET, 30%. Uh, that's $347. Uh, that was on Amazon. Uh, and then uh, the next one, Pickerton, notice the price goes up. Pickerton, Ben's Tick and Insect Repellent at Amazon, $9.49. Sawyer, premium insect repellent with Pickerton, 20%, uh, was 8 bucks and a quarter. Uh, so you get DEET is less than 5 uh, for a, a uh, bottle spray wipes of that. Uh, and then uh, you're up around 10 bucks for the others. Uh, then uh, the IR3535, Coleman Skin Smart, 9 bucks. Um, and then, uh, let's see, Repel Lemon Eucalyptus. It has oil of lemon eucalyptus, 14 bucks from uh, Amazon. Cutter Lemon Eucalyptus, uh, $11.75. I will tell you my secret to repelling these ticks is permethrin. I absolutely have fallen in love with permethrin. It is does not repel them. It kills them. It, it kills them, which is, I, to me, what you want to do with a tick. I'm not interested in maintaining a respectful distance from ticks. I want them dead. And you know they die how? Um, because the scientists tell us so. Uh, permethrin. Do you, do you uh, find, like, dead ones in your sock? The uh, No, they fall off. Uh, the uh, researchers found that young ticks died in less than a minute after coming in contact with the material. So what I do very simply is I get, I've got a, a spray can of permethrin and I spray a ring around the top of my shoes, my socks, and, uh, uh, my, my, the bottom part of my slacks. So where uh, do you get your permethrin? Uh, I got this one actually at Walmart and the camping supplies. Uh, I, I usually go to a camping supply place and you can pick it up there. Uh, the uh, uh, tractor supply also has some uh, a little bit less uh, to- uh, potent 
um, for they you spray on horses for flies and so forth. But I, I go to the camping supplies and get it, and uh, it has done wonders. It uh, is not for skin. It is not for skin. It is not for skin. It is for clothing. If you spray it on your clothing, it will last through several washes, and I think that has helped me if I spray the shoe tops and socks, uh, even if I forget or if I just jump out off the tractor and try to go get something, I've still got a little bit of uh, yesterday's spray on. And they say about you know, 24, 72 hours before you go out, you spray your clothing. I spray it when I head out, and I've had great results with this. Uh, I've uh, The immature form of the Lone Star Tick, the, uh, they, the hunters call it turkey mites. I've been hit by those about two or three times, and they are absolute misery. They, they, these are small, tiny black dots uh, that uh, live in colonies of hundreds, and they swarm if you step in some loose leaves where they are. Uh, next thing you know, you have uh, uh, your feet look like they've got pepper all over them, and they are burning like fire, and they continue that for weeks. So uh, I, have, uh, I have become a big uh, permethrin fan. I have bottles of permethrin uh, in the tractor toolbox in my garage, and that's what I use, and that's what she recommends. Uh, the, the others, D-Dyer, 3535, Picaridin, and Oil of Lemon Eucalyptus, great for skin, uh, permethrin for clothing. That's the way you avoid ticks. We'll talk about taking them out next time. That's our sponsor, Tick Fixers, and their top six quick tick fixing tricks, which we will give you the top six next time. Now, SpaceX, you saw it. Did you see the launch? I did not, Tony. I was wa- getting ready to watch the... Uh the first one, and then it got delayed through the weather, and then it, that was then it came again at three thirty on a Saturday Eastern time, and I just had things to do. Shelly, I missed it unfortunately. I would oh, love to have seen it. It was. I mean, I mean, you you look at this, and it's just absolutely glorious. It, the thing looked. Oh, way the Falcon too thin. Nine is beautiful to watch anyway. Yeah, it, it's it looks too thin. I mean, you're used to these big bulky Atlas rockets, and and the proportions don't look right. But man, did that thing! Uh, it was just it was absolutely gorgeous. And I was holding my breath. I found you know, I mean, this is a this is new. This is the first new thing to carry people into orbit in 17 years the first time anything's taken off the u.s soil since we stopped breathes, uh, the uh, breathes. space shuttles that breathes yeah uh, in, in uh 2011 so this this was big and, and these guys uh, i mean they're heroes uh let's see nasa uh, got a bargain here they were paying 60 million per seat to put their astronauts in this thing uh it cost 90 million to go up in the soyuz 90 million per seat wow so they got wow. three two three for one or yeah. three for two. Yeah. Well, whatever. I don't know. <clears throat> two for three. Something. It was. It was a big deal. <laughs> uh, there's. There's math there that escapes me. It's summertime. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, SpaceX has launched 85 and counting orbital class Falcon 9 rockets. It had never flown a human being before them, uh, and these guys are exceptional. Just but they had flown a Tesla. Yeah. I mean, they and had he, launched a Tesla towards right. Mars, right? And I heard, the, the best comment I heard about that is if he wants to put a Tesla in orbit around the sun, park it in his garage. Yeah. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. Same. In theory, it's, it's orbiting around the sun right now. But it's the same right effect. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. All right, Hurley. Grew up in New York near the Pennsylvania border, graduated top of his class in high school, civil engineering degree from Tulane University, joined the Naval Reserves, he wound up as a test pilot in the Marine Corps with call sign Chunky. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I love that. Later, a member of uh, NASA's year 2000 astronaut class, Bob Binkin, 49 years old, Missouri native, uh, mechanical engineering degree from Washington University of St. Louis, master's degree and doctorate in uh, mechanical engineering from Caltech. So Bob Binkin pretty, is pretty smart dude. Yeah. That's a why I called very you Bob. Well educated guy. Dr. Bob. There's Bob and then there's Doug. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the MST3K robots. He, um, he, he joined the uh, U.S. Air Force ROTC program, test pilot, also a member of that uh, class. They were best friends. Each flew two space shuttle missions. Hurley's last mission on Atlantis, July 2011, was the final flight of NASA's program. Um, Binken actually married a fellow astronaut. So they are both uh, astrologists kids, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Astrophysicists, Astrophys- maybe? Yeah. At any rate, uh, uh, I just thought it was a great thing. Uh, these guys are playing amazing to me. They're pretty brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, that. But they don't have a radio show. No. Tony. Uh, as to where you do. <laughs> and on my radio show, I talk about them because I, I respect them so much. And, and I just want people to know that that launch was absolutely amazing. And, and uh, I had to be, you know, I, it embarrasses me. They, this was dangerous. It was. I mean, you know, granted, they, they 85 times it had gone up, but still, uh, that's not very Well, they went times. 85 times on something that had been up several hundred times. Well, right? uh, no, no, I mean, first manned uh, 85 uh, orbit. You're right. No, I mean, I'm they, saying they, when they, they, they went they up their 85th time. time, they went on a device that had launched many, many times. There's not a human went up in a Falcon 9. No. it was That was a first. So... We also have done a first. Uh, we have come to the conclusion of our first fractional portion. Really? Well, we're not Are out we of space done? yet. Are you sure? <laughs> we must still be orbiting. Say, I, we cannot talk about uh, chloroquine for COVID-19 uh, uh, in the time we got left, so we're just going to sign off and take a break, come back for our second fractional portion on Health Matters on Morehead State Public Radio. Support for Health Matters on MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center, located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. Additional information on the Northeast AHEC is available online at neahec.org. Hello and welcome back. This is the second fractional portion of Health Matters. I'm Rick Phillips. I'm Shelley Irving. I'm Dr. Tony Weaver. This is the Bob and Doug Show dedicated to those two SpaceX astronauts, Bob Binken and Doug Hurley. Uh, who are at present, when we record this, are uh, aboard the International Space Station. They are, in every sense, heroes you think of that, today's youth. You think they're out of range to hear our FM broadcast? Well, I'm sure somebody, well, they have internet access, uh, so... Uh, I said, I, but I, that's why I said FM, because that makes it funnier. <laughs> they probably can listen to the internet up there. Hey, Bob. Hey, Doug. I don't know. <laughs> our sponsor for the second time, Take Fixers and their top six quick take fixing tricks. And remember, I mean, the trick number zero out of the six is just don't get ticks. So you try to avoid high grass, loose leaves, uh, brush, uh, try to stay in uh, low areas, mow your yard closely uh, uh, if uh, kids are playing in the yard. Um, but uh, let's say uh, you, you're going to run into some ticks. I mean, it's just uh, natural about being outdoors. Uh, it says, uh, number one, avoid tick bites. Uh, wear long pants and tuck your pant legs into your socks. <laughs> You laugh every time you say that. I just can't see it. Uh, inspect the skin, especially the armpit and groin areas, immediately after outdoor activities. Um, if skin exposure is unavoidable, apply insect repellent. And we talked about uh, the insect repellents. They are DEET, IR3535, Picardin, or oil of lemon eucalyptus. I tried the Picardin, and it did not work as well for me. I'll just that, That's just me, but I, I did not find I have not tried IR3535. I used DEET. But uh, at present, uh, since we don't have too many mosquitoes where I am, I just simply put the permethrin uh, a ring around the uh, cuffs of my pants and, and uh, top of my shoes, and I'm very happy with that. Um, let's see. There's the DEET, and I mentioned the permethrin. Uh, 
Tip number two, ticks are best removed as soon as possible. The risk of disease transmission increases significantly after 24 hours. So if you can get them out in the first 24 hours, the chance of catching some disease, uh, Lyme disease, uh, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, babesiosis, all these other uh, uh, tick-borne diseases, much, much lower if we can get them out in the first um, uh, 24 hours. Uh, number three, uh, use a blunt, medium-tip angled forceps. So we all just grab the tweezers. That's what we do. <laughs> but uh, that's what they recommend. I actually do not have an angled forceps. Uh, we just tweeze those ticks off. <clears throat> do not twist or jerk the tick. This may cause the mouth parts to break off in the skin. Following tick removal, the bite area should be inspected. But I will tell you, uh, it is much. Uh, the, the leaving the mouth parts in is not a mortal sin. That is not the life and death thing. Once the tick is removed, uh, this is t- tip number four. Uh, wash the bite area with soap and water. Uh, and number five, routine antibiotics following tick removal are not indicated. And then they mention size and color of the tick. That's uh, number six. Uh, brown and the size of a pencil point deer ticks or immature lone star ticks. Those are those little pepper dots uh, that you can barely see. Uh, we all know the dog tick. It crawls around until it finds the right place and bites. There is the lone star tick that has a white, uh, the female has a white dot on her back. They are very aggressive biters. Uh, they pretty much, uh, if you see it, you've probably already been bitten at least once, maybe twice. Uh, this thing uh, likes to bite. Uh, so that are, that is our tick fixing tricks. We'll hit that again in the third and final fractional portion. Now, we are in Kentucky right now. We are coming off of our lockdown phase, our safe at home phase, and we're now trying to be safe at work. And the numbers of people who are infected with COVID-19, the daily numbers are going up. So is the number of people getting tested. Yeah, there is that. But uh, we recorded, uh, I think the the number that I saw Saturday was the last time I saw one, which was a couple of days ago, uh, 319, uh, substantially above. We were running along in the uh, mid to upper 100s while we were in lockdown. And even with the testing, I think we are, we're exposing more, we're getting more. Uh, and so we talk about flattening the curve. That is, you know, the thing is we've got to stay under our hospital ICU capacity. We've got to make sure we don't tax our resources uh, because those would be unnecessary deaths. But on the flip side, we are looking at best case scenario, a world record time, a SpaceX level achievement uh, to get to a vaccine by 2021. Uh, it has never been done before. We obviously have a lot of people, a lot of money right now, billions going for vaccination, but we have never done that before. And that's our best case scenario. You know, the best case, I guess, is this virus just disappears for some reason. Not going to happen. And so we're going to have to do this for a while. And so uh, what about what if we just got it over with? We'd have to get about two thirds of the population would just get immune. And then at that point, uh, there would be enough uh, a person who has an infection would run into mostly immune people and they wouldn't be able to transmit it. And it will start to go away. Uh, they said if our battle of coronavirus is a baseball game. Uh, oh, uh, the guy that did this was F. Perry Wilson. He's at Harvard. He's a translational science guy. Really nice with statistics and making this uh, uh, come uh, uh, understandable. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's just get through it. Let's just get over it, uh, and let's if we, we'll as long as we're not uh, swamping our hospitals, we're good. So what you're saying is is flatten the curve enough to wherever the line is on the curve that says our healthcare system can handle right. the volume. Right. Now here's the problem with that. First of all, uh, delaying the spread of disease doesn't only help hospitals cope with surges; it buys us time to do medical research. 
we are, I will tell you, much, much better at taking care of this condition than we were when it started. Four months ago. Yeah, we've learned a lot about mechanical ventilation. Part of what we learned is it doesn't work very well. And, and, and so the goal was not to get as many people as possible on ventilators to protect their breathing. The goal is to try to let people stay off the ventilators as long as possible. That cut our need for ventilators. And you may have noticed no one's, uh, everybody's crying out for personal protective equipment, which we don't have. But uh, uh, the ventilators, uh, except for a few circumstances, uh, our capacity was not exceeded. And there were some local areas where it was. But, you know, the whole ventilator argument really made me proud as an American because a lot of companies stepped up. I think, you know, uh, Toyota, I think there was there was a Ford. I think there were lots of big production plants that stopped what they were doing and yeah. started figuring out how to develop mechanical ventilators. So we learned to put people on their stomach because that improves ventilation, maybe keep them off the machines. Uh, also, we learned about risk of blood clots, which is substantial with this. Uh, you've got to use blood thinners. Uh, a lot of things that happen. So you're, you're way better off. Uh, the other problem is, it's very difficult, as you've seen, for us to think we have this thing under control and we can go just under overwhelming the hospitals. You know, once you hit that spot, as we saw in New York City, you don't back away from that right. spot for weeks. Uh, and so that can be a problem. Uh, you can overshoot your predicted herd immunity. Basically, you know, if you're sitting there saying, well, let's just do business as usual uh, until we hit that peak, uh, we could easily overshoot and unnecessarily expose people. We seem to be in a reasonable compromise here or at least we're heading towards it i mean you know pretty much things are you know you can still go to the store i mean there's you, there's not much you can't do right now it just has restrictions yeah now, but the thing about that rick is you know we've already lost a hundred thousand i think we're on our way to probably three hundred thousand well, that I mean, is a know, lot this thing is a beast it is yeah, really a beast and not you know of course we would never you know make light of that i mean that but that but honestly probably didn't matter there was a certain number that we were going to hit regardless of how we handled it. That You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it, it appears, you know, that we, uh, uh, we and European countries have very, very similar-looking trajectories on this. Right. Uh, some did better. Some uh, did worse. Uh, not necessarily related to their health care system. Uh, in a lot of cases, it was related to uh, the uh, public health measures they adopted. I mean, and, and you could even probably make an argument that this was— I mean, for all practical purposes, the same as the Spanish flu in the 1918, but the healthcare system and the way we understand things are so much better that we were able to keep the numbers to, you know, Hundred thousand as opposed to eighteen million or whatever it was. Yeah, well, you know, and, and we can we can exchange information so much faster, easier now absolutely. than than in nineteen eighteen with places that are ahead of us. But yeah. I mean, this, who's to say that these two viruses themselves aren't identical? in the, the amount of potency they have. Right. As a matter of fact, you look at that, uh, if, if uh, uh, we had the advantage of knowing what happened in Spain, Italy, France, and then obviously in New York City was a, kind of a warning to everybody else. Now, Brazil seems to be playing by its own rules. Uh, they refuse to release even any information about COVID-19 now. They are not participating uh, in uh, uh, na international databases anymore because their situation's gotten so bad. They fired their health minister. Uh, they are pursuing a very, very self-destructive path on this. But for the rest of us, uh, having that information, watching uh, other people, seeing how they, they uh, attack this has been very beneficial. 
Um, that being said, uh, one thing you said, though, the healthcare systems don't play as big a role as you would think. I mean, it is important to have healthcare capacity and stay beneath it, but the public health measures have been the key to the whole thing uh, in terms of, you know, if you get to the hospital, unfortunately, uh, it's almost like the die is cast at that point. Uh, even good hospital, bad hospital, and so forth. Bad hospitals worse than good hospitals, but the majority of the lives saved have been public health measures, not uh, uh, IVs or, or hospital beds. True, Tony, but but I think, you know, I get daily reports on what goes through the University of Kentucky, and, you know, there's not a day goes by that it's between 20 and 30. You know, 30's been the high, 36, I think. Um, so, you know, just, just anecdotally, I mean, a lot of patients are going through the UK, but you don't see them dying. And so, you know, I would say that, yeah, okay, m- maybe maybe public health is playing a, a considerably larger role. But the but if you end up in the hospital, you you got a good system to support you. Fair enough. Uh, and then finally, uh, uh, F. Perry Wilson mentions um, ethical. I mean, let's say we get it over. That's true. Well, I mean, everyone's going to die eventually. Let's say we just get everything over. You're going to get cancer. Let's get it over. You're going to, you know, you're, you're going to get Alzheimer's. Let's get it over. So the idea of compressing uh, the viral exposure uh, means that you're going to expose people to a life-threatening condition earlier than they need to. So even if they do die, it would be nice if they died a few months from now rather than if they die immediately. I mean, isn't um, isn't life a, a series of risk versus something balances? I mean, isn't that what we do right. anyway? I mean, that's kind of one of our things is we always balance risk versus reward or risk versus quality of life or risk versus something. And, you know, you, you always want to balance it. You don't ever want to skew it in one direction. Yeah, and, and so I, I really think in those circumstances then uh, you you recognize that uh, uh, the this is, we're going to be doing this for a while. There's just no two ways about it. Uh, whatever we're doing now, we're going to be doing at least that much for a while. Uh, and we're going to be doing it together. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we will. Bob. You, you hope so. A uh, <laughs> couple of comments there. Uh, first of all, you know, uh, in terms of getting it over with, besides all those issues, one uh, nurse uh, pointed out that uh, we really don't know that having this disease makes you immune. Uh, some coronaviruses change just enough to evade your immune system, which could really uh, uh, be unfortunate for a Tragic. vaccine or for uh, a person who was exposed. This one doesn't seem to. We, we know a lot more about how these things change than we used to. Um, the uh, uh, one person mentioned, well, you know, an alternative strategy is just to try to, to really work hard on our institutions, our prisons, our nursing homes, uh, the meatpacking plants, the places where the same thing seems to be spread. And the rest of us can probably go about our business more or less untouched uh, uh, if we're careful. Uh, a possibility. I, I mean, I, I'm, there, there's a lot of different approaches, and I, I want people to see that it's not, uh, uh, this is not a, uh, the only, there's on, not only one way. Uh, to fix this. But I think I think this is going to probably raise some awareness to how you have to behave around a a potentially vulnerable population, right? So there you know the long-term care facilities, correctional facilities, elder certain elderly people, people with respiratory. I mean there's a certain group of people that we have to be cognizant of as a healthy middle-aged adult or a, a young, you know, starting life adult. I mean, there, there's there's a whole series of people that just aren't impacted by this, but you have to be careful because you, you literally, I mean, literally could kill your grandmother. Right. And the thing that scares me about this thing is in the first inning, the first wave, um, 
we threw a lot of resources at it. People lost their jobs, uh, large amounts of uh, government spending to try to prop up the economy. Uh, people were kind of co- uh, they were cajoled, they were uh, uh, they were encouraged uh, to wear a mask and so forth. Now, round two. You know what have we got left in the tank? to try to continue this, which is certainly, it's not going to go away. What are we going to do? We don't have the resources. Right. Where's, our, where's our tolerance for all this? Yeah. Uh, right. Where's our resolve? Where's our endurance? This is going to be a, a big question. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it, it helps. I, I want to be the—I uh, am looking at the literature, not as an expert, but just as a guy who likes to read a lot, and it's pretty clear that uh, these type of things that we have done make a difference in mortality rates early on. Now, you age this thing a year— Maybe doesn't matter, hmm. but uh, I, it seems to me that if if we've done nothing else, we've delayed mortality. We may have actually uh, prevented people from dying altogether uh, as our uh, treatment improves and as we get closer to a vaccine. Or, uh, uh, but uh, it, it's, it is not finished, and we've got to take uh, uh, courage that we are doing something worthwhile because uh, this is going to wear us out. It so, really is. so will the vaccine look this look similar for all coronaviruses or? I mean, have we had a a, 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 a vac- yeah vaccine? Have yeah. we have we had a vaccine for other coronaviruses? No. So, <laughs> which is one of the things that kind of worries you. I mean, we're much better at vaccines. Than we did. I mean, as far as a cold vaccine, it just wasn't worth doing. Yeah. Sure, uh, the cold itself, and and that's what that's primarily what they cause. SARS and MERS. Uh, uh, MERS was the Middle East respiratory syndrome. SARS was sudden acute respiratory syndrome. Uh, were two other coronaviruses, uh, and they were serious, but they did not achieve the level of transmission we've seen here. Some countries had to deal with them briefly, uh, but the those viruses did obviously did not achieve the level of penetration into society that this one did. So they went away before the vaccine were developed, and and at that time, even to this day. Uh, the fastest we developed a vaccine is about five years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, you know, so no, uh, we've never had a coronavirus this serious before, and the ones we have had were not worth vaccinating. Okay, Mr. Sunshine. All right. So, well, I just, you look at this and you think, well, should we then, could we uh, just go ahead and let this thing kind of go through society? Uh, and the answer to that is no, we really can't. We cannot control it. Uh, well enough to think that we could just keep ourselves under capacity. And it is still worthwhile uh, for society, for many of uh, people within society, for us to keep our distance, to use the mask, to do the things that seem to be working. Uh, and uh, so I, I, our, our message from Health Matters is this is, this is going to take a while. <laughs> yeah, and we don't know. We don't know if it's going to mutate. We don't know if it's going to be like the flu where we may see different strains. I mean, we just because you get over it doesn't mean that you're good forever yeah. you know, for the rest of your life. I would say the one good thing is if it does mutate, uh, chances are to mutate into something less lethal. It would be unusual for it to get mutate and get worse. The, the odds are it's going to mutate and, and uh, actually become easier to manage. So uh, that's a nice thing. I don't, of all my fears, I don't fear it mutating into something worse. It's possible, but just uh, uh, hard to conceive that would happen. Well, I mean, you know, it was good that we gave the uh, toilet paper companies a chance to see how they could handle a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, I mean, you know, that for, for a month, I think most of, the, most of the Facebook feeds and the jokes and everything was... Everybody's looking for toilet paper, right? Yeah. Well, and how many people are going to be addicted to hand sanitizer? Sure. They compared it to gold. It was hilarious. We're going to take a break and come back for our third and final fractional portion. You're listening to Health Matters on Morehead State Public Radio.
Support for Health Matters on MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center, located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. Additional information on the Northeast AHEC is available online at neahec.org. Hello and welcome back. This is the third and final fractional portion of Health Matters. I'm Rick Phillips. I'm Shelley Irving. I'm Dr. Tony Weaver. This is the Bob and Doug Show. Our salute to astronauts Dr. Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley, who are at present slightly above us. And like 22 miles up there. <laughs> and 200 miles. Orbiting. 4,000 miles. No doubt uh, oh. listening for every word coming from uh, uh, us I'm down just seeing here if he knows. On Earth. I have no idea what the orbit. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. 22 miles is your guess. But, you I, know, that's why we have a Facebook page. Somebody will tell us. Yeah. Yeah. So, please. We can't do all the research on this show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just make oh, wait. this up. You fill in the blanks. Just discuss among yourselves on Facebook. That'll work. Our sponsor for the final time, the Ticks uh, Fixers, and their top six quick tick fixing tricks. If you learn nothing else, remember permethrin for your clothing. Not for your skin, but for your clothing. Can be a real lifesaver when you're talking about the immature forms of the Lone Star Tick called turkey mites uh, or also tick-borne illnesses in general. Uh, absent that, if you want something to put on your skin, let's say you're trying to farm in a pair of Crocs, for instance. I don't know anybody that would do that. That's uh, ridiculous, but uh, well, just theoretically, hypothetically, bear with me on this. DEET, IR3535, picaridin, and oil of lemon eucalyptus. Oil of lemon eucalyptus can cause a local allergic reaction. I have not tried that. Picaridin, I tried, unimpressed. IR3535 seems good enough, but uh, more expensive than DEET. I have used DEET, but I am a big fan of permethrin. Now, our, let's say you're not able to repel the ticks to avoid the ticks. Um, well, you're not able to use the repellent. Here's what you got to do. You got to avoid ticks, wear long pants, and tuck them into your socks, just like your old buddies here at Health Matters do. <laughs> Those of us who have socks. <laughs> <laughs> inspect your skin especially the armpit and groin areas immediately after outdoor activities although i will tell you the lone star ticks they don't wait till they get to the groin of the armpit they no. uh, i've had them on my shin as a matter of fact they're very <laughs> aggressive biters um then uh let's see uh i mentioned uh, the permethrin and so forth tick trip tick fixer quick fixing trick number two remove the tick as soon as possible Risk of disease transmission increases significantly after 24 hours of attachment. Number three, which I don't do, but I should, blunt, medium-tipped, angled forceps offer the best results. Don't twist or jerk the tick. Following tick removal, the bite area should be inspected for any retained mouth parts, which should be excised, but don't go and uh, um, incise your skin and Mm -hmm. uh, bleed them out or anything like that. Not worth it. Uh, Number four, once the tick is removed, wash the bite area with soap and water. Five routine antibiotics not indicated. Consider uh, in pregnant patients uh, areas endemic to tick-borne disease for a uh, tick that's been bit in for a while. And number six, size and color of the tick helps. Uh, brown and pencil point deer ticks, um, primarily in the Mid-Atlantic region. They are not common in Kentucky. They are not in Kentucky, I think it would be the best way to say it. Brown with a white collar, size of pencil eraser, more likely dog ticks. Brown to black with a white splotch on the back. Those are the Lone Star ticks. The uh, Not because they're from Texas, but simply because they have a white spot on their back. Uh, so remember permethrin uh, and remember um, blunt forceps uh, and get the tick out as quickly as possible. That's our sponsor, the Tick Fixers Top 6 Quick Tick Fixing Tricks. Now we talked last time about the possibility of just, let's just get it over with. Let's just expose everybody. 
uh, to COVID-19. Pox as parties. Long as, what's that? Pox parties. Yeah. Uh, very similar to chicken pox. Why not do it? Uh, of course, there was not a vaccine in development for chicken pox at the time and no hope of having one. Uh, also, and this is something you think about because uh, uh, kids, even though kids could have serious reactions to chicken pox, including encephalitis, which is uh, brain damage, basically, um, uh, they generally did better than older folks. So if your kid was going to have chicken pox anyway, and uh, it was virtually impossible to go through life and not be exposed to chicken pox, then do it early because uh, uh, the results would be better, noticeably better. Now, you can say that's so now. You can say, well, you know, kids have it. Uh, if a kid gets uh, uh, the COVID-19, they tend to do better than adults. Still some issues, as we've seen, that uh, inflammatory kind of Kawasaki-like uh, inflammatory uh, vasculitis uh, inflammation of the blood vessels they get afterwards is uh, one problem from it. Uh, it does affect uh, the brain. It does cause uh, irritation of the brain, uh, very similar to the uh, chickenpox uh, and, and other viruses. So that's uh, another problem. Uh, but uh, the, the, the final thing uh, is that uh, you can't shut this thing down. Uh, your kid gets it, they may have no symptoms, may visit the grandparents, and all of a sudden someone dies. And we talked about that last time, you know, the, the Oedipus uh, complex where, um, well, according to Freud, the Oedipus complex was you want to be your, yeah. with your mother. So but not to, exactly that. No, but uh, basically you're, you kill your father. Uh, by not wearing a mask or by uh, uh, allowing the grandkids to play with them. So at any rate, a lot of reasons why that uh, pox party doesn't quite work out for COVID-19, in our opinion. Now, let's talk for a minute then about summertime activities. The odds are we'll talk more than a minute. Yeah. We, we, well, we've got time. Uh, this was from NPR's Shots, and I thought it was a great idea. They had a bunch of summer activities, and they asked uh, some infectious disease and public health experts to rate them as low, medium, or high-risk activities. So uh, I've got uh, 10 here that I thought would be reasonable. Uh, first of all, party in the backyard, one is other this, family. Is this a quiz? Well, do, I, do we get a guess? Yeah. What would you say? Low, medium, or high? Uh, party in the backyard, one other family. Is there any factors that go along with that? Are we socially distancing? Right. Socially distancing. And, and, and again, you figure this family, you they think like you, and uh, so you have similar social distancing, and, and you don't you're not a crazy person who... Low. Doesn't social distance. Yeah, low. Let's go low. low. They went low to medium. They said uh, if you avoid shared food and drinks, and I'm going, well, okay. I mean, you, so shouldn't you, you be doing that anyway? Yeah, yeah that, was, that was no doubt. Uh, watch alcohol consumption. It makes you sloppy, is their word, uh, and about your distancing. Um, uh, and also that makes you, this is what they said, you're more likely to use the bathroom, brings the activity indoors, heightens the risk. Um, and the infectious disease guy says, in your party, have masks. I think that's. That's not going to happen. I mean, party with two families. I don't think so. But, yeah, mask. I agree. Activity number two, indoor meal at a restaurant. Between one family? Two families. No, this is an indoor meal. You go to the restaurant and you eat indoors with whoever low else to is medium. at the restaurant. Yeah. Low well, medium to high is what they said. Still among the riskiest things you can do, even with appropriate spacing. The problem is twofold. One, duration of exposure. You're going to be there for a while while you wait for your food. And secondly, ongoing vocalization. You know, you, you breathe, you sing, you talk. Uh, any of those things I don't is, sing. is airborne. Yeah, but you're going to be around other people who don't might sing. Be. Oh, come on. If it's somebody's birthday. It's a singing waiter. Yeah. No, not, not now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just, this, just my luck. COVID I sit may right have, next to the birthday boy. Yeah. COVID yeah. may have single-handedly got rid of the singing to the customers. I'm very Thank happy. Goodness. That is one good thing that's come out of COVID-19, right? Uh, now, obviously, what alters it? Well, if the restaurant has reduced uh, seating, servers wearing masks, easy access to hand washing, outdoor dining is great because that really disperses the virus. Self-serve areas closed, the soda fountains, buffets, salad bars, things like that. Not a good idea. And then single-use condiments, you know, if you don't have to share uh, Have you condiments. been out to eat yet, Tony? I will not. This, this to me, is still, it's just too much for me. I, I, I don't feel like I can control it, and so no, and I won't be. Yeah, I haven't been time. either. Nope. Okay. I've gotten takeout, but I've I, not been out. I know I, you've been. You've, you've I been. have literally been out enough for all three of us. <laughs> 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 One time each. Okay. <laughs> and you felt comfortable. Sure. Eating. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, you know, I wore a mask in. Uh, most of the restaurants are putting plexiglass between any kind of booth or table. And, mo- and most of them are putting the tables on the floor are usually far away from each other. So, um, you know, it, it looks, you know, the, the restaurants we went to were, you know, it looks like set up to handle it pretty well. Mm. Good. Number three, attending religious oh, and service. and by the way, they, in Lexington, Kentucky, they take your temperature before you go in. Yeah. Attending religious service indoors. Uh, how, well, how, that, that's a yeah, lot of variables. I'd say medium how, to high it depends. Yeah, but yeah. how big is the church? How big is the congregation? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, because my church is. Are they letting kids in, or is this just right? Are we having certain, nursery? Or yeah. you know, there's all and kinds of things. There are things like that. The problem is, in many cases, you don't know obviously right. before you go. Well, then it's going to be medium to high. Yeah, it is. It's high. Uh, that's what they said. And and I will tell you, you know, there are enough now. There there was obviously that choir practice we talked about, uh, but uh, also there have been some other church services. Several church services have turned out to be uh, sources of infection reported in scientific literature. I mean, and they're not picking on churches. I mean, the same thing happens at the groups meatpacking. Of, it's big groups. Yeah, it's yeah, big groups. Big groups. Uh, singing. All the ingredients for many people to be infected in a short amount of time. Singing, singing obviously increases uh, droplet projection, deep inhalation. And the same thing happens at the gym. If you breathe deeply and you breathe out, you are blowing that virus. And that is a whole different thing from, say, uh, your your comments about the restaurant, Rick. Uh, you're, you're not, uh, at that point, there, there's not as much virus being shed by the people who are shedding it. Uh, wearing masks, avoiding singing, shared worship items uh, should be avoided. Uh, sign up for limited attendance. Uh, reservations at church are, are a thing now. Um, and I think reservations in general are, are you know, are going to be uh, the big thing so that you know that, that someone is controlling the number of people that are in that building. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh, remain six feet apart. But uh, that has been tricky uh, to uh, to have a safe church service. Next up, spending the day at a beach or pool. Um, Is it a public pool. beach or a pool? Well, obviously, yeah. yep, public beach or pool. Um, mm. I'm going to say medium. Yeah, I'd go medium. They went with too. low uh, as long as distance is maintained. This is pretty safe. You're outdoors, so mm-hmm. the virus disperses through the air. Water uh, volume dilutes out the virus, unlikely source, and we don't have any recorded infections. Uh, one of the big uh, deals with this is bathroom. You know, go early or late, avoid crowds. Uh, if the bathroom is crowded, that's a bad, you know, there you, I mean, you're, you're there more briefly than you would be, say, at a restaurant or a church, but it's the same thing. You've got a crowd of people. That can be a problem. Kids may be the biggest worry. Um, so if, this is one thing that they said I, I really like. If it's important the family visit grandma on Sunday, think twice about the beach or pool on Saturday. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got to figure out what do you want to be. Do you, you want you have to, to reverse the order. you got to visit grandma on Saturday and go to the beach or pool on Sunday. Yeah. Well, you've got to figure, are you safe for older people or are you going to, to uh, associate mainly with younger people? 
uh, realize you, you can't have it both ways. Number five, outdoor celebration. Wedding, birthday, more than 10 guests. Outdoors. Medium. Low. Medium to high, Rick. Here's the problems. Well, you're uh, not giving enough parameters. I mean, I know. You know, yeah, I know. I'm just trying to make you wrong. Yeah, that's well, that, that's the, that's a given. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, everything we do has 17,000 variables. True. Uh, what they mentioned is outdoors, of course, reduces the risk. That's a good thing. But celebrating, dancing, alcohol, all those things uh, reduce social distancing. But you didn't say that. You just said an outdoor event. Well, I said celebration. And apparently, for according to these infectious disease specialists, you can't celebrate without drinking alcohol. The larger the guest list, the greater the potential. Um, if the uh, local guests, better deal, especially here in eastern Kentucky. We have low rates uh, in the community. Uh, people travel in by car, train, air, the risk goes up exponentially. Uh, think twice about older relatives. Uh, they mention if you are thinking of having a celebratory event uh, in the summer, um, give your older relatives an out. They may feel some pressure. If you invite them to think, this. well, this is a, maybe the last time I get to be with my grandkids, you know, this year or something like that, just this is a uh, uh, this is very very shaky ground. Don't put that guilt trip on them. Huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just do not uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, make that their decision. It's better you say, look, you should not come to this. Exercising outdoors. Low. Oh, oh, of course it's low because this one the variable will be what's well, just you. Yep. Yeah. Golf, tennis, uh, better than basketball, volleyball, because again, no contact uh, and and uh, those type of sports. Tennis would be. Nice thing, be a, a very good sport if you or uh, running ideal. You don't think you don't think five on five full court basketball would be good? <laughs> it's never good, <laughs> and especially during this time. Not yeah. staying at a hotel. Huh? They went low to medium, and I, I that's what they went. That's what they said. Okay. Uh, consensus is uh, it's relative low risk, especially once in your room. Stay away from common areas, lobby, gym, restaurant. Use a face covering in public spaces. Ask about their cleaning policies. Bring your own disinfectant. Wipe every surface you touch. Beware of elevators. Well, sure, if I did that at the parties, I'd be okay, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's not even fair, Tony. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, These guys are just putting ink on paper just so they can sell ink. Well, here's one that, that I was interested in. Using a public restroom, and I'll just tell you, they went low to medium on that. And I, I was a little surprised. This virus is shed in the stool, but we don't have clear evidence that it has been transmitted uh, through uh, uh, restrooms. And so uh, they said uh, they're designed to prevent disease transmission, all the hard surfaces. They're easily sanitized. There's all that. But uh, really the number of local COVID-19 cases is important and how busy that restaurant is. If you go into a small restaurant and there's a line to get in and there's no air ventilation in it at all, then that's actually a pretty high-risk situation. Uh, but it does not appear that the flushing itself um, increases Did you say, your risk. You might have said restaurant. Yeah, you I meant restroom. Rest I'm sorry, restroom. Did I say <laughs> restaurant? Restroom. Yeah. Using a public restroom. Uh, so everything I said applies to the restroom. Uh, and they said uh, greatest risk, small, busy restroom, poor ventilation, highway rest stops, and uh, gas stations. Uh, those are the higher risk places. Number nine, letting a friend use your bathroom. It's no risk to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, it's your bathroom. Yeah, uh, actually, the risk is low. Uh, bathroom ventilation uh, should be efficient for one person. And uh, it says run the fan, leave the door open for airflow, clean it up later, wash your hands if you use it after the friend does. But uh, uh, not likely to uh, catch it from that. 
Number 10, getting a haircut. Low to medium. They went with medium to high. Well, I would say medium, too. It just, there it's is be no way to maintain six-foot distance. You, just, you can't do it. Uh, close contact breathing, extended time period. Only takes one infected worker to put everyone at risk. Uh, low infection rates in the area. Come get your haircuts here in eastern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. This could be a selling yes. point, a tourist destination for haircuts. Yes. Because we have some of the lowest rates around. I think Montana beats us. But, uh, that Montana has fewer people than we have in Morehead. <laughs> yes, well, there's that, but also they have fewer haircutters. You know, <clears throat> Probably. Yeah, so there's that. Um, <clears throat> go to a salon that, forces, that enforces employee protection, uh, hand sanitizing, uh, and uh, is set up uh, to try to minimize risk. And then the bonus after the, we've got 10 here, going to a nightclub. High. High. They, they went high, very high. high. They went off their scale. <laughs> they said uh, crowds, ultra-close contact, singing, sweating, inhibition, um, and uh, th- there was just alcohol, uh, potent cocktail risk factors, dancing induces heavy breathing. Okay. Opposite sex induces, or same sex if you're, I, I have no there's, heavy there's breathing. Heavy breathing there's heavy clubs. breathing everywhere in a nightclub. <laughs> uh, nothing makes this a good idea right now. I am so sorry if your uh, idea of uh, getting over coronavirus is to go clubbing. Mm-hmm. Clubs are going to have a very difficult time. I, outdoors, even outdoors, you mm-hmm. there's just a closeness um, combined with alcohol that can Line be. dancing might make a comeback. <laughs> hey, hey, problem. I, I, I want to say one thing from this article, Rick, and then I, Rick's uh, giving me the look. Uh, this was an article about whether or not the United Kingdom, Great Britain, could in fact, emulate the South Korean approach to COVID-19. And uh, they, they, the conclusion was they can't. They just can't. And here's what they said. Lessons for the United Kingdom. The U.K. government relied heavily on mathematical models and adopted a policy led by science. This resulted in delays in implementing potentially useful interventions such as wearing face masks because the conclusive evidence of benefit wasn't available. The problem is we talk about science being the thing that drives us, but if we wait for the science... We've already lost the time. Speaking of losing the time, Rick, we've lost ours. Special thanks to our Morehead State Public Radio producers, Paul Hitchcock and Greg Jenkins, to, and to Eric Bilbrey, who wrote our Health Matters theme song, and to you, our loyal radio fans. Remember to show your support for Health Matters by visiting our digital empire. To listen to the show, go to wmky.org or visit us on Facebook. Just do a search for HM Radio Show. For our radio crew and the supportive folks at the Northeast AHEC, thanks for listening to our show. And remember these top 10 tips to be healthy at Health Matters. Stay healthy at Health Matters. Only turn your radio off for essential tasks such as shopping for groceries. Avoid crowds and gatherings. If you see a large group of people listening to Health Matters, run away. Practice social distancing. Remain six feet away from your radio while listening to our show. Know when to seek care. Follow your doctor's recommendations if Health Matters makes you nauseated. Visit Health Matters Radio Show on Facebook. Stay up to date with Health Matters recommendations. Wash radios and surfaces. Wash your radio thoroughly after our show. Apply for benefits. There may be someone who will pay you to listen to the radio. It could happen. Prioritize mental health. Maybe you should just not listen to Health Matters at all. Do not travel. The safest place for you and others is in front of your radio. Try not to leave the radio while while the radio is on. Report noncompliance. If your neighbors are not listening to Health Matters, call the radio station immediately. And tune in next week for more exciting news from the world of medical research on Moorhead State Public Radio. Support for Health Matters on MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center, located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. 
Additional information on the Northeast AHEC is available online at neahec.org.